This is a Village Soundcast Network original production. This is Less Than Live with Cater Die, a bi-weekly podcast about comics from all angles. I'm going to talk to you about what I'm reading and doing in the industry, as well as interviewing some of my friends and favorite creators. So come along with me on this journey into geek culture. On today's show, guess who's back? Back again. Okay, it's just me. But also, we've got my power-up co-captain and gentleman artist Matt Cummings here to talk about Canada, superhero movies, and the glory of webcomics. Now give me that theme song. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, It's me, your friend and podcast host, Kate. Um... It's been a while. We're so sorry. I traveled a bunch, and uh, my life has been completely crazy trying to put together the last stages of my visa application to live in America. And, oh, my God, it's filed. Uh, So who knows? By the next episode, maybe we'll know. Maybe we'll know uh, two episodes from now. But, ah, we did it. 11 pounds of paperwork and nine months of work, and uh, it is submitted and in the hands of the U.S. government. So if you're listening and you work for the Border Patrol— I'm awesome. Don't listen to the part later in the show where I say uh, some things about your politics. Um, Just stop here and think about uh, me telling you that you're very pretty and smart and that people don't appreciate you the way that they should. Moving on. (laughs) Some comics news. Um, uh, We're talking to Matt Cummings later in the show, who's one of my favorite people, my best friend, and my co-writer. Well, no, not... Well, yeah, he's kind of my co-regular. We work on things together, but mostly he's the artist. Um, Matt Cummings uh, works on Power Up with me, and Power Up is our original series from Boom Studios, and that uh, issue number two, coming out this week. If you're listening to me in the week of uh, August 19th, it is coming out. It is going to be great, I think. I've read it, and uh, my review so far is pretty good. Um, So that's coming out. Bravest Warriors is almost over. I think the trade of Edward Scissorhands, the second one, is coming out soon. Um, the Fraggle Rock collection of uh, the four-issue miniseries that I did, Journey to the Everspring, is out now. It's a hardcover from Archaea. You can also get it on Comixology. It is beautiful. It is just a beautiful, lovely collection. There's some cool notes and a lot of awesome process art from Jake in there. Um, so if you are a kid, have been a kid, or know a kid, you should check it out. And uh, And yeah. Find uh, find your own tunes for the songs in it. I would love to hear somebody uh, put them together someday because there's a lot of songs that I wrote into the book. It was, it was my favorite part. <laughs> um, I, it was announced recently that I am doing work for both Marvel and DC, which is crazy. <laughs> it's insane to just say, um, like, holy shit, right? <laughs> uh, Tiny Web Comics Girl does, does all right. Um, so, yeah, I'm doing a cover for Marguerite Sauvage and Marguerite Bennett's Bombshells series, which I'll talk about more later in the episode under recommendations because it is fantastic. Um, I did an, a cover for an issue. I don't know which issue. I don't I don't know when it's coming out or when it's going to be released, uh, which I think i also mention again later because crazy wizardry. We don't record this all in sequence. Um, so, spoiler. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, so I did a cover for that. Um, I think it's going to blow minds when it finally gets announced, and that's going to be great. Um, and, yes, I'm doing a a small uh, five-page story in a Marvel uh, little humor anthology comic called uh, Secret Wars 2, that's T-O-O, um, with Brittany Williams, an artist that I've liked for a long time. And, uh, yeah, we're going to do a really fun, a really fun comic 
uh, using some characters that I think people will be very excited to see us take on, hopefully. <laughs> I can't tell you anything more, but it's going to be really fun. And, uh, yeah, so that's coming out in a little bit. So I went from not doing anything with uh, Marvel or DC to now working with both of them, which is crazy. It's crazy. It's nuts. There's 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 nothing like getting an email that's like, hey, can you sign this contract uh, for Marvel? Um, and I'm sure that lots of seasoned pros are totally jaded by that at this point. But for me, it was just like, oh. I'm going to call my mom and scream for a while. And I did. And it was great. Um, (laughs) Also coming out this month, or at least very soon, is my Sex Criminals cover. Finally, it was delayed uh, due to, I'm going to guess, content of all the different sex covers because they took a while to come out. Um, But I think it is coming out soon. That cover is by myself and Paulina Ganeshow. And... uh, uh, so is the the DC one actually. We're we're a power team now. I love working with Paulina. She's the best. Um so yeah, Sex Crims. It's coming out soon. Very interested. <laughs> very interested to see how people are going to react to that. I don't know if it is it is uh more or worse nasty. Naughty? I hate saying oh, naughty's the worst word. Naughty's like panties. It's gross. So gross. Why does anyone Anyway, um it's <laughs> saucy. I like saucy. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I don't know whether it's more or less than Brian Lee O'Malley's cover, but I'm very interested to see how people are going to react to it. So that's coming out soon. And um, golly, I don't know. There's so many things I'm working on right now that I can't talk about or that are in pre-production or that I'm just starting to script. So uh, if it has felt like a while since I have announced anything new, uh, it's all coming. There's tons of stuff in the works right now that are just still in secret stages. So uh, I can't wait for all of that stuff. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm doing so many things that I'm so friggin' excited about. Um, and, uh, you know, moving to L.A. at some point soon. <laughs> Coming up soon is uh, is Depaticon. Matt and I talk about that, and I'll talk about it again at the end of the episode. But it is, uh, other than Thought Bubble, the last show that I'm intending to do for this year, I don't think I'm doing New York Comic Con. Moving to America is just too crazy um, to slot in anything else um, because – it may surprise you, but immigration lawyers cost a lot of money. So I'm going to be hitting them all up next year. I'm hoping to come back to things like Emerald City and Heroes Con and, and uh, SPX and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, we'll see We'll see what goes. If I get the visa, I'll be at a ton of shows next year. And if I don't, uh, who knows? I might, uh, I don't know, move to the moon. I read so many comics in the time that I was away and traveling and doing so many things. I went to see Taylor Swift. I went to Ming Doyle and Neil Cicerega's wedding, and that was beautiful. And I went to L.A. for a little bit, and I visited the D.C. offices and um, humble bragging. Not even humble bragging. I'm just straight up bragging. I had a great couple weeks. (laughs) Um, But I did read a lot of comics in that meantime, and uh, so many of them I think you should be checking out. So let's talk about that. What is So once again, I've been gone uh, for a while in in absentia. Uh, I have read so many comics, and um, it, it's been kind of a, a delightful time because a couple of books came out that I had been waiting for for a really long time, and um, they it's always a treat when they turn out to be just as great as you expected and even better. <laughs> um, so the first one of that, uh, the first graphic novel, was Baba Yaga's Assistant, which is one that I've been looking forward to for a long time because Emily Carroll uh, is, did the art for it, and uh, you've probably heard me talk about Emily Carroll before. She's one of my favorite artists, and her book, Through the Woods, is um, necessary reading. Not even recommended, just if you're not reading it. 
stop, just stop every every problem in your life and go go do, fix that. <laughs> um, so Emily Carroll and Marika Makula, who's the writer of this, have put together this young adult uh, graphic novel um, that is sort of all about a girl who wants to, as the title says, be Baba Yaga's assistant. Uh, she's having trouble at home. Her dad has remarried uh, after the death of her mother, and uh, she has a new little sister who she does not get along with at all. So she finds an ad in the paper to be Baba Yaga's assistant and uh, knows that her grandmother, who also has passed away, um, went to visit her as a child. So uh, over the course of the story, she basically goes and Baba Yaga keeps trying to thwart her. And if you don't know about Baba Yaga, she's, you know, traditional um, fairy tale folklore villain who lives in a house with chicken feet and eats children. <laughs> and so uh, this girl and her grandmother both had um, had had dealings with her. So when she goes and Baba Yaga keeps trying to thwart her, um, she has to use, you know, tales um, from the fairy tales that her grandmother told her as a child to defeat her and trick her and uh, outsmart her. And it's it's really great. It's a really interesting take on uh, that sort of folklore genre and so sweet and and just beautiful. And I wasn't sure what it was going to be like because everything of Emily's that I had read, she had also wrote. Um, but Marika's story is fantastic and works with Emily's art so well. Um, really, really great. And also sort of falls into that my favorite genre of young adult books that are a little bit spooky. <laughs> so definitely check that out, you know, no matter what age you are. But I think it would be awesome for, you know, girls like 9 to, nine to 13, 9 to 14 especially. Um, just a really, really cool book. The other one that came out, the other graphic novel, was The Divine, not to be confused with The Wicked and The Divine. This is just The Divine, um, which is drawn by two of my favorite artists, Asaph and Tomer Hanuka, uh, whose art, if you look them up, is some of the most beautiful, beautiful illustrations. They've done a lot of book covers and spot illustrations for, you know, uh, magazines and things like that. Uh, the last name is Hanuka, H-A-N-U-K-A. Uh, so they did the art for this book written by Boaz Levy, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, which I hope I am, which is a story about... So many things about war and relationships and spirit monsters. Um, really, really beautiful. Uh, I'm about halfway through it right now and uh, just just loving it. It's so great. Um, in between those and not a comic, although I feel that I should mention it because I've been reading it in between every uh, comic. I do read prose on occasion. <laughs> I can read words without pictures. Um, I've been reading the Miss Peregrine's books um, by Ransom Riggs and... Um, they are so, so, so good. And I think anyone who is interested in that, you know, young adult kind of spooky genre um, would totally love these books. The first one's being adapted into a movie by Tim Burton. We'll see how that goes. But the set photos look really beautiful. And uh, it is a story about um, a young uh, a teenage boy who discovers that his grandfather was one of a group of peculiar children, which, you know, had powers like the X-Men, but old timey. And he has to go uh, try and hunt them down and, uh, you know, find find out these secrets, you know, if his grandfather's stories were true. And uh, it's it's very, very interesting and really beautiful and all woven together by these real, these actual real life uh, vintage photographs, um, you know, of, of oddities, like inexplicable photographs that he sort of took and then wove this story out of it. So really, really beautiful. There's two books out so far and another one coming out in September. I know I'm here to talk about comics, but they're so good. <laughs> So in between, um, yeah, definitely check those out. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children and uh, the second one, which, uh, oh, uh, oh, my God. I'll think of it later. Hollow something. Uh, it's great. <laughs> Back onto comics. Um, in terms of sequentials and single issues, uh, so much good stuff coming out right now. Um, 
first issues, like number ones that I definitely want to mention, um, the beauty from Image is fantastic. That's Jeremy uh, John, I think, Jason A. Hurley and John Rauch and uh, Phonographics doing the letters on that. And it is a story about uh, an STD that makes people beautiful, but maybe also kills them. (laughs) And in concept, I was like, oh, that sounds really neat um, because – uh, sort of like black hole, you know, where that is an STD that mutates people. Um, interesting concept, but the art in the in this in the first issue of the beauty is really really great. They have some gorgeous covers for that too. Uh, but just just a really cool concept, really beautiful art, and I'm interested to see you know where it will go. Um, and I, I'm, there's a lot of societal commentary in there, and just just beautiful, just gorgeous. <laughs> And it's always fun to discover new artists. Uh, so that was really, really great. Um, bombshells started coming out from D.C. Uh, by the team that I have collectively started referring to as Margaritaville, which is Marguerite Bennett and Marguerite Sauvage, uh, which is a comic about the bombshells versions of you know, lady D.C. characters, which started, I think, as as art and then as statues and is now a comic. It's weirdly backwards because <laughs> the statues usually come after. Um, but they're these sort of pinup style 1940s, 1950s versions of uh, the DC characters. So you got everybody on there. You've probably seen the statues, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn and and Zatanna, and everybody's got one. Um, So the first issue starts with uh, my favorite character, obviously, Batwoman, and it is great. And that is out now both physically and digitally on Comixology. So uh, look into that. I did a cover for it. I don't, as of this uh, recording, know which issue it's from, and it hasn't been released yet, but I'm really excited for you to see it really excited kind of losing my mind (laughs) um phonogram came out uh or the new phonogram the immaterial girl um i think is that what it is oh my god or is that one of the old ones (laughs) anyway phonogram uh from image which is kieran gillen and jamie mckelvey with obviously matt wilson and clayton cowles um so the entire creative team of the wicked and the divine um, making a third comic in the phonogram series. And while everyone told me that you could start with this one and it would be fine without having read the old ones, I 1,000% recommend that because it made no fucking sense. <laughs> I love Kieran and Jamie. I always will, as much as I give them shit on Twitter. Um, but I did not understand what was happening. I had to go back and look everything up um, on Wikipedia. And while it was cool and an interesting concept, it is definitely not as new reader friendly as Wicked and the Divine. And that is already a little bit challenging. So, um, you know, recommend checking out the older phonogram. I'm going to do that and come back and uh, and hope that it uh, is easier to, to parse. But um, still really cool to go into if you're really, really, really into music. A lot of the references went over my head, but there is a glossary in the back which is funny and useful, and I kept trying to fave it like you would a tweet because I was reading it on my iPad because I am the worst. Uh, Arclight and the Spire, I'm not sure if I got to talk about those last time because, again, it's been forever, but both of those series have just started and are on early issues, and they are beautiful. Um, Arclight is, the first two issues are from Brandon Brandon Graham and Marion Churchland, a power couple of uh, comics comics folks, and... um, I think it's going to be changing creators as the series goes on and focuses on different characters. But the first two issues are about Arclight. Um, it's this absolutely gorgeous, dark, fantasy, genderqueer story. And Marion's art is stunning. Um, there's a couple pages from Brandon in each issue. And uh, the backup pages have really cool – there's like a, a 
cryptogram quote thing that you can decipher to go with all of the process art. And I love that stuff. It's really cool. Um, and just beautiful. Just I love, you know, the the gender fluid, very interesting designs of all the characters are so beautiful. And uh, yeah, I would I would definitely check out Arclight. Gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. Um, in the Spire from Simon Spurrier, Jeff Stokely, Andre May, and uh, Steve Wands on letters is really, really cool. We have a lesbian main character and a really interesting fantasy world, who, which I feel it's really – for people who like their complicated fantasy, it's very cool. Um, the first issue was a little confusing, but I think it's explaining more and more and more as it goes along, as a story tends to do. <laughs> but um, it takes place in the Spire, which is this massive – city uh that is built in tiers so it's like a huge mountain and the very top of the mountain is the richest people and the very bottom of the mountain is the poorest people and they refer to the the layers of the spire in terms of uh class and so there are characters who are sort of mutated or genetically different and uh the main character is one of those and uh she she's very funny and snarky and and it's it's a really interesting story there's murders going on and uh She's on the case. So it's really cool, very awesome to like upfront have her, you know, established as a lesbian protagonist, which is neat. I'm a sucker for it. What can I say? <laughs> and it's great and really beautiful. And I love Jeff Stokely's art always. So um, definitely check out The Spire. It is tons of fun. In terms of ongoing stuff, uh, I've been catching up on Giant Days from John Allison and Lisa Treyman uh, with Whitney Coger and Jim Campbell uh, doing uh, colors and letters, respectively. It is so good. Uh, John Allison has been in the comics game for a million years. He did webcomics web back in the day under Scary Go Round uh, and Bad Machinery. He's done a million different things. Um, and he has some of the best dialogue in the biz. Uh, his comics are such a treat to read. The character's... The way that they speak makes me angry because I can't <laughs> I can't write dialogue that good. I don't know anyone who writes dialogue that good. It's so fun. And it's apparently characters that are a carryover from some of his earlier works, but I found it totally easy to get into without having read it. Um, it's basically about a bunch of friends in college um, and sort of their interpersonal interactions. There might be a supernatural element to it. I'm three issues in so far, and there's there's hints, but we'll see what happens. It's just so much fun. Just a bunch of friends. This whole second issue is about them getting a disgusting dormitory cold and how everyone deals with the sickness and how it makes them all crazy. And it is so funny. Um, so definitely look into that. I, I know a lot of people that are really loving it, and it's awesome. Giant Days. Get it. Um, Squirrel Girl and Howard the Duck ended their uh, initial run, but they're coming back after Secret Wars. And... Um, their last issues were both really, really awesome. I don't think I need to tell you how great Squirrel Girl and Howard the Duck are because I've done it a hundred times, but it's really great. <laughs> Go read it. You've got lots of time because it's not coming back till October. And even though they are new number ones, same as Spider-Gwen, uh, I don't think too much is going to have changed. And there's still going to be the awesome comics that you love. It's crazy to say all of that and all of those comics that I've read in the last couple of weeks and still have a giant to-read pile next to my bed. But that's what I'm up on. And you should check them all out, uh, especially, I think, Baba Yaga's Assistant and uh, The Beauty. Um, those were definitely my, my highlights. So, yeah, read more comics. Let's move on. Kate's gonna interview you. Kate's gonna interview you now. So 
today I am talking to one of my best friends and my co-creator on Power Up, uh, Matt Cummings, who comes to me all the way from 40 minutes from where I am. Hi, Matt. Hey, Kate. Hi, Matt. <laughs> How are you? Double greeting. This I know. Is an occasion. <laughs> this is what we do here on the show. We like to keep it nice and formal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how are you? I saw you one day ago. Yes. I. Oh, so much has happened since then. <laughs> Tell me everything. I, <laughs> well, no. Mostly just sleeping and a whole lot of sweating because I don't know if you know it, but the sun is right next to us right now. It and is. it is super duper hot. It's so hot. It's so hot. <laughs> I was trying to write last night on my laptop and I had it on my lap and I was like, I'm, this is how I go. Like, this is where they'll find me. <laughs> Dead and baked. Um, my stomach like an overcooked egg uh, just lying in my Ugh. bed. Yeah. Right? Ew. You really do paint a vivid picture. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> to create worlds with my words. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Terrible world. No one ever wants to visit. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's very hot. Um, but it was great. Uh, you were here this past weekend for decaf and friend times um, mm-hmm. of equal, perhaps unequal importance. I think friend times are the greatest uh, with, yes. your, with your lovely lady friend, Lauren Jordan. And that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and now you're back. And now what are you doing? What are you working on? Huh? Huh? What am I working on, Kate? I wonder. Have I um, heard of it? <laughs> you may have heard of it. It's a little comic that I like to call. Oh, I couldn't think of another like really hilariously named comic. <laughs> I'm working on Power Up, Kate, and you okay, know that okay. yeah, darn well. I was just trying yes. to look, trying to let you have your 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 day in the sun. Um, <laughs> I'm working on an issue that people will not see for 130 years. We're so far ahead. I know that's so great. I'm so glad that we've finish everything and it's all already done and there are no deadlines <laughs> <Yeah>. left <laughs> oh whoa i just like felt this rush of like endorphins when you said that <laughs> like the thought of not having a deadline for like one second <laughs> wouldn't that be crazy <laughs> to just it would be very crazy i remember a time occasionally when i worked a day job and didn't have deadlines and would just go and do the job and come home and watch tv it's so, I don't understand. I know. It's so weird what? now when I think about it. No, that doesn't sound right. No, no. no. You, what you meant to say was you stayed up all night, like panicking. Yeah. And you meant to get it done seconds before you fell asleep. But there still might be revisions. No, That's I mean, meant, right? there was a time in my life when I just got up and went to work, did what was required of me at that job for a regular paycheck. And then my evenings were free to uh, enjoy the company of friends and activities that I enjoyed. I'm sorry, but like, okay, I think I think I might understand some of the words you're saying, but like, your week never ended, right? Like, oh, there was it, no it end stopped. I mean, it stopped whenever, I, like, occasionally <clears throat> I would work weekends, but then there would be the days that I had off. <laughs> now, see, sometimes <laughs> when you're talking, it's like there's this weird static that happens, and I don't quite... I think there's something wrong with the connection. <laughs> the The week stopped? Yeah. So you would generally work, um, you know, four to six days in a week, depending. I mean, when I worked retail, it was it was more often. Uh, but, yeah, when those days were over, you would have your day to go and do errands or see friends or clean the house or watch a movie, you know. And that day you did not have to work. There were no commitments. God, I'm looking around my room right now at this 
massive trash pile and just wondering what life could be. <laughs> Some sort of beautiful alternative reality. There are people who do this every day for their whole lives. People listening to us right now, and by right now I mean in several days when this is recorded and published on the internet, who live like this. They are each and all my hero. <laughs> Um, so you and I are both working on a thousand things right now and, or, well, you're working all the time on Power Up. I'm so sorry. Um, but I'm very glad that you are. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it'd be fun to talk to you. It's crazy that I haven't, um, because we've been like friends and working together since I started this podcast. And so for some reason I always was just like, oh yeah, we did one with Matt. We've talked. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've talked to Matt before. We've communicated. I assume somebody was recording it. I'm really... Oh, the amount of Google Hangouts that resulted in drunk karaoke. I'm, like, really glad that those are not uh, recorded for posterity on the Internet. (laughs) But they were a time, weren't they? They were, as you say, a time. Okay. Um, So, yeah, I thought it would be fun. So issue two comes out uh, this week. Imminently. Imminently. Are you excited? So excited. I'm extremely excited. I got to see issue two very briefly Mm -hmm. uh, over the weekend. I got my comps right before decaf. Mm -hmm. And uh, I only had 10 and they sold super duper fast at the show. It was the first thing gone. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was kind of sad to see it go because I realized after I got rid of all my copies, I didn't really get a chance to look uh, too thoroughly through the actual book itself. I mean, I think I know what happens. Like... (laughs) Yeah, like most of the story has been spoiled for me at this point, but I don't know. There's just something incredibly magical about seeing it in print. It is really Uh, crazy. Yeah, I'm definitely not at the jaded point yet where seeing something I've done published by an actual publisher is like not the wackiest thing that I could have ever experienced. Like I I can't get over it. I'm such a digital guy. I'm 100% at that level. Like whenever I see anything I've done in print. It's just like, oh, my God, this is real. <laughs> this is a thing yeah, yeah, yeah. that humans can touch. It's so cool. Well, it like sort of it lives in your head and in your computer for so long. Yeah. And then you just assume like eventually, you know, I'll just put it on the Internet, I guess, put it on Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> then it's just like, oh, no, wait, like it's actually getting put on paper and sent around the earth mm-hmm. to people that I otherwise would have never met. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a thrill. It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm so excited, and I'm excited for issue two, and uh, people seem to be pretty happy with it so far, which is really great, because obviously it's terrifying um, (laughs) to release your story baby into the world. (laughs) I wasn't too worried. I think there's kind of like this natural fear going from issue one to issue two, Mm -hmm. because issue one is like, it's the big show, it's your debut, you know, a lot of people are just going to automatically get on board because it's like, check out this new exciting thing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people kind of just naturally assume that there's fall off, and there is, but like, for me, just thinking about the work we've done Mm -hmm. on the issues, when I think about issue two, like, it is such a step up in terms of like, the art and the storytelling, and I love issue one, Mm -hmm. but like, I think issue two just absolutely like, pops. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Yeah, I have no fears that people will super enjoy issue two and three and four and then stop, but then come back on board for six. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. I have a lot invested in it. Issue five is going to be an absolute flop. I have a weird clairvoyancy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we should like be super lazy on issue five. I have invested so much in issue five. Oh, no. Is that the crux of the series? Is that the backbone? Uh, I don't know if you know this, because there's no way you could Uh-oh. possibly know this, but uh, it's very important. Oh, man. Well, 
Listen, I have good news and bad news. <laughs> You're just not going to draw it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. That's fine. Whatever. It'll just be text. We'll go really avant-garde with it. <laughs> just... If I submit just 22 blank pages, do I still get paid? <laughs> I'm technically submitting pages. <laughs> I'll just do it in Times New Roman font, like aligned differently on every page. Just the script. <laughs> <laughs> Switch between fonts. Some lines will be Comic Sans. Um, or bolded. Ooh, yeah, I know. Well, I got to earn that money somehow. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's going to be great. Issue five. Just text. Issue five. Look look for it. <laughs> this week. No, wait. That's issue two. No. <laughs> I'm, ex- oh, I'm excited it's like... that it's out. I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Because, yeah, I actually, I mean, I only got to look at it for about three seconds before I gave it back to you at Decaf. And uh, mm-hmm. I haven't read it. Jeremy made fun of me so much when we got the first copies of issue one in Maryland. And I sat down uh, and started reading it. He's like, you wrote that. Why are you reading it? And I'm like, I have to see what mistakes I made. <laughs> I have to see what I did wrong so I don't do it again. Um, I've So far, I've noticed uh, at least one, maybe two small errors in issue one and two. Mm-hmm. And I kind of see them as a point of pride at this point because they got past every, you know, level of sort of security in terms of like making it all the way through the pro- I mean they're not like book killing things but like tiny things like there's one I just forgot to turn on a layer and just like one little object doesn't show up in issue two and I'm just like oh that's kind of awesome like no one caught that and like now it's just my little thing that I know that I can point out to people and say look I still got paid so yeah it's, uh, it's cool <laughs> I feel like that's the comics credo for so many people I know Look, I still got paid. <laughs> but I think it'll be great. I'm obsessed with Amy's little uh, penguin outfit. So it's Oh it's yeah, the really... Kigurumi. Kigurumi. I had to Google that this morning when I was making like a Tumblr post about power up. <laughs> it's like, what is that thing called? Yeah, I... <laughs> when I was trying to figure out when the book actually came out, I did a Google search for Power Up Issue Two. And like the second to top result was a tweet that I had made like a while ago. Saying, if you love Penguin Kikarumis, then Power Up Issue 2 is the book for you. Um, <laughs> which was pretty cool. <laughs> I that's don't know if so it was funny. like specifically tailored to like my Google results, but I really hope everyone that's searching for Power Up right now finds that tweet because, you know, for it's one a really person, important. It's really going to be. It's a super important like, part of Issue 2. Like, that's. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it gives us. You don't understand, of- but like. There's important story implications with that Kigurumi and totally not just the fact that I really wanted to draw one. <laughs> yeah, in the last issue, I mean, when the villain comes and is a penguin Kigurumi, then we're, yeah, everyone's yeah. going to be like, oh, shit, that foreshadowing was so dope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, are we allowed to swear on this? I didn't yeah. know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's not on the radio, Matt. We can... Uh... Holy frig. <laughs> I'm sorry, I take it back. Can you bleep that frig? Oh my god. <laughs> I did one the podcast I did with Ryan North, he swore exactly once and then apologized <sighs> for it. Um so he goes on record as being, I'm sorry to tell you, the most Canadian guest that I've had. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can top Ryan. He's he has Canadian powers. He is Canada. He's he's, he's the embodiment of Canada. Um Power is pretty Canadian, hey? Tell me more. Tell me all the Canadian things you put you put in the comic book because you've definitely never told me these things in person. Oh man, good segue. Um, <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah, uh, just certain things where it wasn't written super duper Canadian. And I know that you've pointed out to me before that sometimes you self-edit, even unconsciously, Mm -hmm. uh, when you're sending things to an American editor. Right. because you know, like your spellings are gonna end up getting changed to the American versions. They're gonna chop all the U's out. Mm-hmm. It's the um, worst. And something for me, like when I was designing, especially a lot of the backgrounds, I was pulling stuff just from my real life. Like Amy's apartment in issue one is literally my apartment, except it's pinks and purples, which I'm jealous. Mm-hmm. And uh, like later on, like sneak peek, Sandy's house is based on my childhood home, and like. Yeah, just doing that naturally, I started putting in things that I know. So when Amy drops the change in issue one, it's toonies and loonies. And yeah, I like I just naturally put in all sorts of Canadiana, but not specifically because I'm like, I really got to Canada this thing up. It's just that's literally (laughs) that's literally the life I lead. So, yeah, I feel like it is. It's yeah. I mean, you're totally right about the self-editing because I had so many editors you know, we'd get three or four issues into a series and they'd write to me and be like, just stop. Like, stop spelling all these words with <laughs> U's in them. I'm like, no, it's your job. You're an editor. Take them out if you have to. Um, yeah, it's not wrong. Because like. well, it's one of the things that drove me so crazy about the Scott Pilgrim color editions was that color was spelt without a U. And I was like, Scott <sighs> Pilgrim is the most Canadian comic. Like, it's yep. it's so Canada. And then you put out these editions that say, <laughs> "That would have been a really good blurb color. for the back of the book." Yeah, so Canada. It's just really weird. So you know, it it does bother me that that's kind of forced on you. But we fight back with having uh, extreme amounts of Canadian content. I'm very excited for all the timbits that we're now going well, to include. Say, like, <laughs> <laughs> to our editor's credit, like the Canadiana that makes its way into the art never gets talked about like never gets commented on i think they think it's just weird uh, fictionalized money (laughs) yeah (laughs) well in the first issue there is like a camera robot that accompanies a reporter Mm -hmm. um and i'm i'm trying to sneak in like lots of sort of fanciful just like fun stuff for me to draw in the background and yeah yeah, maybe they think i'm just folding all this wacky stuff into the world but it's actually just things from canada (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) that crazy fictional world yeah it's five years in the well Lauren, my girlfriend, was telling me when she was up for decaf, because it was her first time in Nova Scotia, and she was commenting constantly on how clean everything seemed uh, compared to America. She's from she's from Chicago. Yeah. And uh, she said, Canada is basically like America, but five years in the future. <laughs> and I was like, I never really thought about it like that, because I definitely don't feel the same way in reverse. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know about that. every time I go to that. America, you know. I go to a city whenever I travel to America, so everything seems crazy to me because I'm yeah. a podunk country boy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But America like, five years sick. in the future to me is like Mad Max dystopia. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so you're taking like, yeah, you're taking the real the negative extreme, track on that. The, I know. Me moving to America with an American it's boyfriend. Like after I'm just the like, elections. Oh, that country. pieces. <laughs> Donald Trump is running for president over there. Come on. Um, (laughs) You get your visa, you cross the border, and you just shout, this sucks. This is the worst. (laughs) I hate your politics. No, I take that back. I never said that. Um, But uh, I I do think that is a really funny way of looking at it. it, Different cities are so different in America. I've never been to Chicago. But uh, I feel like areas of, of Boston I found surprisingly clean there's certain cities in the states where it's just like this is weird that it's so clean 
So I guess maybe well, it was we, actually, we are like that. Like in, in terms of like cartoon analogies, it was actually really funny the first time I flew into Chicago because it was really late at night. And so everything was super dark except the city itself, which was glowing. And Chicago is so big. Mm-hmm. Like it's just so like wide that the entire horizon like everything I could possibly see from the plane was just the lights of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me a lot of like Neo Crystal Tokyo from like Sailor Moon. Yeah. Where it's just like this, as far as you can see, it's like this giant city. And mm-hmm. it was really overwhelming when I was flying in. I just, it was one of those sites where I was just like, Ugh. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm just, I'm barely used to Halifax, which is maybe the smallest city on earth. Yep. And uh, <laughs> it yeah, really anything is. bigger than that just absolutely freaks me out. Trying to describe Halifax to people in the States is so difficult because it's not like it's barely a city, but it's more than a town. You know, it has it has its areas and it has an airport and it has a downtown, but it's not like a city city. <laughs> it's so- Yeah, there's not a lot of like hustle and bustle. It's no. like you go downtown and there's a bunch of pubs and like yeah. boats. There's downtown is like two streets. You know, it's not yeah. there's not like different, you know, there's there's one other area that you can go to uh but it's pretty much it when we were down by the water lauren kept saying how much it was like vancouver because we had just been there for the vancouver comics arts festival yeah which i've never been and to i was like i was like lauren jordan this is nothing like vancouver like <laughs> you're really giving halifax a lot of like benefit and i love halifax i think it's a very beautiful city and mm-hmm. there's parts that i absolutely adore but like vancouver is this megalopolis with like giant <laughs> shining glass towers by the water and I think it was just like having a city by the water made it seem like Vancouver. But yeah. I don't know. I felt very like sideways flattered about the entire thing. I was just like, <laughs> oh, wow. It's really I never true. really saw Halifax like that. I've never been to Vancouver either. I mean, I've been to Seattle, which is like America's Vancouver, I guess. <laughs> but... Yeah, that's on the sign when you drive in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have really low self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> the Emerald Vancouver. <laughs> the other one. Um, yeah, it's a, I, and I really, I like um, Seattle a lot, um, but I've only kind of seen the sort of downtown area because of Emerald City and it's a wonderful aquarium, which has 5 million otters. It's really great. <laughs> so wow, many otters. really crowded. <laughs> the streets you. are paved with otters. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, it. I was trying to make a pun with emerald and otter. Nope, not getting all the way hey, there. Listen. It's, it's I want, about the effort. I want my participation trophy, please. <laughs> now in Canada, we spell otters with a U, and it's very confusing. <laughs> Ooters. Ooters. Oh nope. That just sounds like a French Canadian going to Hooters. <laughs> I have a, okay. I have a question for you because I understand. Okay, so when I go to the States, so many people tell me that I don't really have an accent, that you can hear it Mm -hmm. when I say certain words, especially when I say sorry, uh, because I have a super Canadian accent when I say sorry, and I know that, and I kind of play it up a lot of the time because... uh, Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd like to lean into it, really give them a show. (laughs) It's part of our DNA. It's part of our heritage. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) Don't you woof me. (laughs) Sorry, Um, it's just a gut reaction when I talk to you. But do you know anyone in Canada that says a boot. I've never met anyone who says that. And that's like the number one stereotype about Canadian accents is a boot. You know? I don't know anyone who says that. No. (laughs) I know a trillion people that say a boat. Really? I think a a boat is definitely a real. 
thing. Um, a boot, I, I think that's just a, sort of a bastardization of a boat. Yeah. Because, like, the Newfoundland accent, they will say a boat all damn day. Really? Hmm. I yeah, guess Yeah, like, true. I don't know what she was talking about. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like it comes out a lot boot. stronger in, in like, hosts. Yeah. Like, if you say hosts or, like... I guess yeah, there's certain ho- things, like, in a boat. aunt. Some people say aunt. So... Who says aunt? Americans, I guess. I don't know. Certainly the... Freaks. Yeah. Do you Vaz. remember when Aunt Man came out and we went to see it? <laughs> <laughs> we should talk about that. <laughs> Let's talk about oh, Aunt boy. Man. <laughs> oh, what a night. Should I... Uh, should I weave the yarn? Please. <laughs> so uh, my good friend Matt Cummings, uh, who you'll remember from this current podcast episode, uh, came to town and um, we we went to our uh, mutual favorite restaurant, The Foggy Goggle in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, I got cheers from cheers from the podcast room audience for that. So <laughs> yay, Fog Gog. Um, yeah, big shout outs. We went to get our wing on. And uh, how many how many alcohols would you say that we had? Uh, all, all of them. All the alcohols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone. Yeah, I just sort of walked in and nodded to the tap. Yeah, and <laughs> just like I don't remember what happened after that. Serve it up. Um, yeah, because you came into town, so this was we were celebrating power up. It was a good time. Everyone was enjoying themselves, and uh, we had all the alcohols. And then one of us decided <laughs> to go see Aunt Man. <laughs> Which, who was it? <laughs> like, how did that happen? Uh, wow. I think, well, I think we were trying to figure out what we should do for the rest of the night. Yeah. Because we didn't quite want to, like, go back home yet. No, man. The night um, was still young. You also didn't notice, like, you didn't point out, like, the fact that I made you eat. Well, I didn't make you eat. <laughs> that sounds really <laughs> aggressive. But, like, Strongly I convinced suggested. you via, via my eating that you should get the hottest wings possible. They were awful. And you had never tried them before. They were so hot. <laughs> you were super enthusiastic about them. And then yeah. by the end, you were just cursing my name. It yeah. was just like the funniest thing. Well, but... it was also because I was an idiot. Or no, wait, I ordered, because I ordered a coffee, a water, and a beer <laughs> while oh, I was yeah, eating you did, them. Yeah, you? the cause... trifecta. Because <laughs> I didn't want to fall asleep when we decided we were going yeah. to the movie. I knew I was drinking too much beer with the wings because they were so hot. Uh, and so I needed to hydrate with the water. But I also did not want to stop drinking beer because I am not a quitter. So <laughs> You're some of the most powerful forethought of anyone I've ever met. I am Especially really... when you're several beers in. Because you have like the sort of the clarency to be like, hey, listen, yeah. I'm going to need this, this, and this mm-hmm. because this is my evening. Whereas I'm just like, wings good. Beer I'm, good. No, I'm totally that guy. I'm the one who's like, okay, I've had five beers. I need to make sure I have bacon for tomorrow. <laughs> like these are the important <laughs> things. I need to make sure I have like Gatorade. Um, but yeah, so then we decided to go see Aunt Man. Um, yeah, I said Aunt Man. Aunt Man is playing, and then mm-hmm. you're like, wouldn't it be funny if we went to see Aunt Man? And I was like, that would be funny. You're right, Kate left. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we immediately stumbled out of the building, yeah. hailed a cab, and we were on our way. No, we walked all the way there. We walked, oh my gosh, we walked we all really? the way up the hill to the theater, and I was like, oh. here are the tickets. You go into the theater. I'm going to go buy more alcohol. I think my mind just blocks it out when I walk a lot. It's just like, <laughs> don't remember the bad times. <laughs> so we walked all the way up the hill to the movie theater. I went and got more booze. Um, oh, this is the point no, when no. My, my forethought <laughs> was weakest. Um, 
I didn't think we were revealing all on this podcast. Listen, look. Uh, I'm sorry. So never you never going to let us back into that movie theater. I guess we didn't say which one it was. Yeah, definitely not the one that's uphill from the foggy goggle. <laughs> no one will ever know what's in a walking distance from the, the only foggy movie goggle. theater. Um, yeah, I probably shouldn't reveal that, but I thought it was integral to our story. Um, so I had all of it and you had none, if you would like to save yourself the embarrassment uh, in the story. Perfect. I'm a baby angel. <laughs> you are a baby angel. Although we didn't drink that much of it. I think we started and then we were like, this is, this is a bad idea. <laughs> well, I recall what happened was I had taken a couple of sips of the pop that we yeah. got to put the booze in. Yeah. And then you yeah. proceeded to dump the entire thing of booze. <laughs> not the entire thing. The not the entire thing. <laughs> I mean, a good full half. Like, uh, okay. You gave me such a look after you <laughs> accidentally poured way too much booze into the thing. You're just like, oh, uh, did I do that? <laughs> and then I took a tug off that pop and it was like the most atrocious thing I'd ever tasted in my life. And I was already very drunk at this point and didn't really have the reasoning to like know that. But man, alive. <laughs> I made some mistakes, okay? <laughs> like, wake me up I inside. Got- <laughs> it was like crazy. Do 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 not bring the the word of evanescence into this discussion. The holy <laughs> word Bob. of Amy Lee. Um, so yes, I made some mistakes. I mixed up uh, my recipe for mixed drinks with DIY uh, cleaning fluid. <laughs> Our first mistake was going to see Aunt Man because <laughs> boy, oh boy, Chef Boyardee. It was not a good. Yeah, I mean, it was a great movie to get drunk and like. Oh yeah, go with a friend. One hundred percent. I had a great time, but I did not enjoy that film. Like, are we allowed to spoil anything from Odd Man? Um, I can give I can give a warning. Hey, uh, babies and wieners, uh, plug up your yeah, ears. This is definitely not. Like, this is definitely not a big plot point. Like, there's no real spoiler in this, but there is a point. At which, uh, during a climactic scene, uh, Ant-Man is tiny version, and he's flying towards a bad guy who's uh, in a helicopter about to get away. Right. And the guy pulls out a handgun and tries <laughs> to shoot tiny, unable to see Ant-Man. And it, is, it was maybe the fun. I doubled over <laughs> laughing. I couldn't believe they had the audacity to show him trying to shoot Ant-Man with a handgun. And like we were drunk and I was laughing so hard. But also in the back of my mind, like I'm really obsessive about theater etiquette. So I was trying not to be really loud or disruptive. But so many <laughs> things were making me laugh so hard. Yeah. Well, there was there was a couple of points where... Stuff caught you off guard and you like bark laughed and then looked so apologetic. I know. I felt so bad because I do. I mean, it was like that when I went to see Fury Road with my friends and I, I like, I went, yes, multiple times and then would be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Because I hate that. I hate people who are allowed and talk during movies, but um, it was awesome. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it was awesome, man. There's a big part of me that hates indifferent talking during movies. Like if someone's bored of the movie and they're just sort of like, oh, this is so stupid or like talking back to the movie and stuff. But like when people are really into a movie and like cheering and clapping and stuff, I kind of dig that. Oh, yeah, that I'm into. I'm really into that. I definitely wasn't the only person during Fury Road either because we went to the like premiere of it, like the preview night. And um, yeah, there were a lot of people who were like super into it, which was awesome. But there was definitely should be. (laughs) There was definitely one point where I made the loudest like. Uh, evil cackle. <laughs> there was nothing less than a cackle. It was, de- it was definitely in cackle range. Um, and I'm pretty sure the park laughing during Aunt Man was in the same decibel count. <laughs> so awful. But because oh, I, I really like that one line for like a business card, like Kate left nothing less than a cackle. 
Oh, that's really good. good. That's really good. I'll keep that. Um, Absolutely. I kept referring, I would not stop referring to the bad guy as Smallville's Lex Luthor. <laughs> because, he was the most generic bad guy of all time. He was. <laughs> they got, he's oh, just, it's like Eggman from Batman or whatever. It's just it's so weird. I mean, there were so many parts of the movie that I was like, oh, this has so much potential. And then, like, is it Michael Pena? Um, who was the, the lead of, of Paul Rudd's gang friends? Or like okay. ex-con friends. Um, he was really funny and really great. And the actor Absolutely. Was, he was awesome. And I loved every time he was on screen. He was so funny. Um, well, whenever his like big sort of hilarious moments happened, that's when I felt you could really see the Edgar Wright stuff shining through. Yeah. Like all of his sort of first draft approaches and like the really funny quick cut montages and things like that. I was like, Oh yeah, this would be in like a really good Edgar Wright movie. Mm -hmm. And then it would switch back to this generic, like bland villain stuff. And I'd be like, okay, so this is the new stuff they put in. Yeah. That's like super boring and nobody cares about. Mm -hmm. And now there's like an ant electrocuting a server. And it's like, what is even (laughs) happening in my life right now that I'm here and seeing this? (laughs) I think I was just laughing so hard during the final fight scene. Just being like, this was written in a day. Like, I know what my first drafts look like, and they look like this. <laughs> this is woof. And, you know, not to disparage. And a lot of people liked Ant-Man, so I'm sure tons of people will listen to this and be like, fuck these guys forever. Down with Power Up. I hate it because Ant-Man was the best. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, that's cool if you liked it. That's awesome. I was just, I was just upset at how good it could be. Yeah. Because... And not even from, like, I haven't seen it, sort of, um, I know that Edgar originally worked on it, it should have been better, and I'll never see it kind of way. Like, when I saw the movie, I was upset because you can see what it could have been. Yeah. Like, those parts are in the movie, and Mm -hmm. those parts I loved to death. Yeah. Um, But stuff like all of the bland villain stuff and the fact that all of the Wasp stuff, which I feel like was maybe more an actual part of the movie, completely got shoved. Yeah. Um, it's just so disappointing. Like, if it, poor Evangeline Lilly. Like, ugh, I feel so bad yeah. for her character. It's so rough. I mean, a lot of, again, like, I think it's especially a lot of guys who saw the movie, like, you, they don't even catch what a horrible disuse of that character that was. You know, she, like, her mom gets, I mean, yeah, spoilers. <laughs> her mom gets fridged, like, real <laughs> yeah, we're hard. We're getting into it now. Yeah, well, it bugged me. Um, Even... <laughs> Uh, uh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. She's good. Uh, I'm really getting riled up. No, um, yeah, I mean, like you know, they totally disused her character. And uh, somebody on Facebook pointed out the fact that Evangeline Lilly's character Hope is better at everything than Paul Rudd. Like she trains him to do everything. She knows how to use the equipment. She's a martial artist. She's brilliant. She's a scientist. Like there's zero reason why paul rudd should be the guy and not hope except he's like oh i don't want my daughter to get hurt she's wearing like a kick-ass pantsuit the whole time she's not the kind of kid that's like oh you're right dad yeah adventure's hard i'm gonna stay home and he treats her as if she hasn't been training her entire life i'm gonna let this ex-con from baskin robbins do it instead even though i'm a crazy (laughs) martial arts science genius (laughs) yeah and even when it gets down to the wire instead of having her go in with him 
he yeah. hires the, the ragtag team of Paul Rudd's buddies. Yeah, it makes no sense. Heist it's like she's already infiltrated the bad guy base. She's yeah. done all the groundwork. Yeah. She, oh, it, yeah, it's. And there was oh just boy. such an opportunity for her to be like, you're not going in there alone. You know, you need somebody who knows what they're doing. And then to have her have some really cool fight stuff. Like, it would have been so yeah. easy. And then I felt like, you know, that post scenes credit where she's, it's like, oh, hey, you could be the wasp sometime in the future in a next movie. Just felt like kind of a giant metal finger that was like, here's what you could have had. <laughs> yeah, that was almost aggressive. Like, yeah, because the whole movie is about her not getting to do anything. Yeah, and then at the end, they're like, "Maybe you'll get to do something in the future." Isn't that? Don't you appreciate what we've given you? And it's yeah. like, wow. And it's like it's Thanks. cast in the same light of importance as the scene of like Bucky and Cap at a vending machine. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> man, come on. You know, it, it is again, yeah, bothered by what it could have been. It would have been so cool if it was like, you know, schlubby Paul Rudd who sucks uh, and then, you know, Hope who's awesome, like, training him and, and going to fight together. And then, like, by the end of the movie, they find, like, a cool, you know, wavelength and they work together really well. And, like, that would have been awesome. I would have been well, the thing all is, about like, that. It was it was billed as like a superhero slash heist movie. And yeah. like there's nothing better in a heist movie than putting together a kick ass team. Right. So if she had been incorporated into the team, exactly. it would have been a super triumphant moment. And like not just at the very end, like she proves constantly that she's better than literally everybody else. And yeah. the only thing that's holding her back is her father saying no. And it's like Yeah. That is the most heavy handed shit that yeah. like I can imagine. It's crazy. I mean, like, imagine how much fun her interactions with Michael Pena would have been. Like, so great. Totally. Yeah. It would have, like, I feel like they just would have played yeah, instead, so instead well. she, like, she constantly flip-flops between being the woman who's super good at everything but not allowed to do it and being the woman that rolls her eyes at the boys being dumb. Yeah. And it's like, Ugh. wow, I thought we were past this point. I know. It just, I don't know. I, I was like, okay, this sucks. Come this on, sucks, Marvel. Sucks, I know you're listening. <laughs> But by the end of the movie, and especially with that scene, you know, that sort of post-credits thing, it just felt like, <laughs> like, you still haven't given us a Black Widow movie. You haven't even planned to do a Black Widow movie. And now you're like, you could have had the Wasp. Maybe she'll show up again. I don't know. Um, it's just like, okay, okay. All right. So you're just, you're just, just flipping us off at this point. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird because, again, like, I didn't, you know, I don't hate it. I love most of the Marvel movies. I love Guardians of the Galaxy. I love the Avengers. I've seen Cap 2 a million times. Cap 2, I think, is your Ugh. favorite, right? Cap 2 is the best movie I've ever seen, Marvel or not. It's just, it's a perfectly constructed, I should say, action movie. It's a perfectly constructed action movie. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it never gets boring. The characters are so charming. Yeah. And, and it's the they only all one. respect and like each other on the exactly. team. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like it's the only one where Black Widow has a personality. Like, yep. you really get a sense of who she is. Yeah, going from that to Avengers 2 was like, Ugh. wow. Yeah. What did you do to Black Widow, Joss Whedon? <laughs> you just, like, stuck half of her brain in a box somewhere. Because um, yeah. she's great in Cap 2. Like, her interactions with him are so fun. And that, like, and plat- real. Yeah, and that, like, platonic sibling-esque energy that they have is so great. I love seeing that. I love seeing like a male female team where the whole thing isn't about like, oh, will they, won't they? Where it's like, no, of course they're yeah. not gonna. Oh, I would yeah. give anything for sort of a continuation of the scene where they're in the truck. Yeah. If it was just that as like a road a road superhero movie, mm-hmm. like, oh my God, that would be 
unbelievably incredible because like Natasha is the ultimate spy. Mm -hmm. She can help them like evade whoever is after them or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Cap's got all kinds of power and stuff. And it's just like, give me that. People talk all the time about, you know, a Black Widow and Hawkeye movie, but I don't really, I don't like Jeremy Renner particularly. And I love Hawkeye as a character and I love the Hawkeye comics. I'm just not big on Jeremy Renner. Um, And I just find him a little too bland. I don't know. I really to dive into the Hawkeye comics, I feel like They're because really when I good. talk to people, yeah. when I talk to people about like the movie Hawkeye and the comics Hawkeye, people get so mad (laughs) people get furious because they're like the comics hawkeye is the word and like the movie hawkeye is blando mcblanderson he literally is you know just like a a piece of bread that's it it. (laughs) that sometimes gets soggy yeah like i don't know i mean i i was never really into it and then jeremy renner said a bunch of stuff that bugged me and that kind of yeah. colors the way that you watch people sometimes sometimes it doesn't sometimes it does but i already was like meh and i know a lot of people who love him and and you know that's cool i just i find yeah like the the character the way Fraction writes him and his interactions with kate bishop uh are so good in the comics it's so good um and the art's so beautiful that like yeah i always 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 recommend the hawkeye comics and now they're finally finished <laughs> It was like a year between this, the second to last and last issue, but they're actually done now. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, but it is actually finally finished. Um, and Annie Wu drew all the Kate Bishop issues, which she's amazing, and she's doing Black Widow right now, and uh, she's the best. So, sorry, I go into, like, comic seller form and I can't stop. <laughs> no, it's, like, super good because I feel so disconnected from, especially the world of superhero comics. Mm-hmm. Um, not that everyone, you know, has to read them if you're into comics, but, like sometimes people talk about these characters being so drastically different and Mm -hmm. uh, they talk about creators actually bringing something new and exciting to the sort of overall arc. And like, I really want to dive into that stuff, but sometimes it seems absolutely impenetrable just because of the sheer amount of stuff that's out there and things that look like other things. And like, I don't know who anybody is. So, Oh man, that's what I'm here for. This is my whole, like, always appreciate it. Whenever (laughs) you talk talk about like, yeah, you talk about like all these different new comics. I'm just like, Oh, I really need to like, have Kate sit me down and hand me books. Well, I got you into like, read this. I got you into Miss Marvel and she Hulk. Did I get you She-Hulk? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And those are that both... was a really big day for me. <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. I'm just like, hmm, you don't have a comic? Have a comic. Um, but I'm also, I feel like I'm pretty keenly aware of the superhero comics that are new reader friendly and, um, you know, not not impenetrable. Because I don't like reading impenetrable comics. I, I hate, you know, if anyone tells me that I need to read like six books to pick something up, yeah. I'm just like, nope. <laughs> well, My attention span like, is too short. A lot of people sort of... Um... A lot of people sort of get angry about not necessarily reboots, but just like starting from one again. I know that like that upset a lot of people with like DC and Marvel, but like I really kind of appreciate it Mm -hmm. when continuity gets reset in a certain way. Because like I just don't want to know every story from the last, you know, 70, 80 years Mm -hmm. in order to enjoy one book that I might pick up. There was a really, really – the last issue of Howard the Duck was so funny because Chip was, like, making fun of all of the times in comics where you'll see somebody say something that's like, this isn't like the last time we did this. And it's like, editor's note, read this issue of Spider-Man from 1975. 
Um, which is so weird, but he had throughout the entire issue, like every fourth speech bubble has one of those asterisks, but linked to a non-existent comic. <laughs> There's one. Oh, I love that so much. My favorite one is, um, it's, it's a reference to something and it's from, uh, <laughs> inconsolable Spider-Man number like eight from 2018. <laughs> <laughs> they're so good and apparently only one of them is a reference to a real comic and the rest of them are all like made up but i couldn't tell until about halfway into the issue that they were fake because i'm so used to seeing that in comics and then i was like wait a minute that's not a real one um but oh. I, yeah i love that stuff that and squirrel girl are just the best but um what I was saying, uh, going back to to Hawkeye, is people always talk about really wanting a, a Hawkeye and Black Widow movie, but I think all I want is more um, Black Widow and Bucky and Cap movies, <laughs> and just want yes. those three characters forever. I'm sort of like I don't know. I wouldn't say concerned because that would be putting way too much emphasis in my like love of Marvel movies, <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, like the next cap is basically going to be sort of a mini Avengers. Everyone's saying like it's you know yeah. it's got Iron Man in it. It's got like it ten thousand other characters in it. Yes, yeah. Captain America: Civil War. Um, I don't know how I feel about them setting up a million things every movie. Yeah, you know, like they kind of know at this point that people are going to go see the movies. I don't know why they feel the need to make everyone like it's going to be the last one yeah. or why they have to set up 10,000 things. Cause I, I remember reading an interview with Joss Whedon about when he was making uh, Avengers two and just all the stuff that the studio needed him to set up. Like they gave him this big checklist and he was like, some of that stuff just, it has to by its nature. There's no way around it. No matter how artistic you are, it has to come out really stilted because mm-hmm. they give you a checklist a thousand miles long. And he was saying the Thor stuff from Avengers two or Thor <laughs> wades in the pool of yeah. magic or whatever. He was like, there was no way that anybody could make that interesting because, Oh my God, what are you doing? Yeah. You cut away to like another country where Thor is getting in a pool. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's so ridiculous and they don't have to like do so much of that stuff. There's a bunch in guardians too. Mm-hmm. Um, but they managed to like do it really briefly. Yeah. Guardians. But, I yeah. think handled it really well because it it really is just short sort of cutaway things and it's all towards the end of the film yeah and well and also they tended to make it places where the actual characters were going instead Mm -hmm. of cutting away from their main characters to a whole other place on the planet right and doing this other thing so yeah yeah it was there's gonna be a guardians too right yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's like, okay. I don't know when it is next year or the year after. I can't remember. There's so many of them. <laughs> There's so many. Yes. Um, I remember when Marvel put up that giant slate with like oh 10 million movies on it, like for the next five or 10 years or whatever. I like, I want more Guardians. I'm really wary about Cap 3 because there's so many characters. It's like they're doing the thing about the comics that drives me crazy is forcing everything into into this massive multiverse and I just hate that I don't like I don't like reading comics where every page is like oh you have to be reading these five other comics to understand what's going on like I understand it from a marketing perspective but when you read a comic and the first thing that comes to mind is I understand this from a marketing perspective (laughs) it's like it's not fun (laughs) and it bothers me I like comics that are kind of self-contained and in their own weird little world like that have their own sort of pocket of the universe. And, you know, Squirrel Girl and Howard the Duck in the comics, they had their own pocket. And Hawkeye has its own pocket. And, like, Spider-Gwen, they're all in their own little universes and not beholden to the rest of Marvel. 
generally, and that's really awesome. So that when the movies are starting to become this homogenous mass instead of individual stories, like it's why Agent yeah. Carter is so good because Agent Carter is its own thing. I mean, other thing than the I fact love, that Haley Atwell really is a love, god. <laughs> well, don't get me started, Obviously. but like. A thing I really love about movies with a big universe yeah. is being cool, cute, and subtle about it. Um, yeah. Knowing that other characters exist in that universe, but not necessarily having to pull them into every single movie or conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, just like knowing that other people exist in that world is really cool to me, mm-hmm. but you don't have to shoehorn character, like a million characters in because then it's a lot of two shots of just people having you know, conflict in conversation. And right. it's it's like, I don't need that in a superhero movie. Like, no, I just know. want a cool story and an adventure. <laughs> yeah, somebody save characters. something, you know. Yeah. Yeah, have I mean, good team dynamics, and that's all I really need. I love the two Captain America movies, and I think they are by far the best of the Marvel movies. Yes. Um, partially because Cap is just so likable. Like, they, I mean, they got a great actor, obviously, but they just tackled the character so well. And there's so many ways to do Captain America that are just boring, just boring as shit because he's just yeah. America boy. And especially, I think, well, to us, that's like, who cares? <laughs> yeah, like, Canadians. growing up, I just remember, like, the Captain America from the comic books always seemed old to yeah. me. Like, he always looked like a 45-year-old, like, army dad. And, <laughs> like, I don't want to read about what he's up to because, like, no. he scares me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, the Cap I got was, like, a very affable, like... Yeah wants to do plucky wants to do the right thing but also isn't naive to the point of being annoying or like goobery yeah he's just sweet he's just a genuinely good guy and it's so nice to i mean he's one of the only avengers that is you know i mean he's like a he's like a traditional he's like anti-smarmy yeah he's like everyone else is smarmy everyone yeah and i don't know if like that's joss's influence from the avengers like because he loves writing quips and one-liners yeah and, like, because everyone just has, like, a uh, roll your eyes moment. And mm-hmm. it's, like, not everyone can talk like that all yeah. the time. It's no. just, it He's sounds such a good inane. foil to the rest of the characters. And yeah. it's so important, I think. You know, especially, he's just such a distinct character that way. And, and I think especially in the Cat movies. And I just love the second one so much. I love it. I love them both. I love the first one. I love that they went all the way retro with it. I love that they sort of embraced that wholeheartedly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both and hands. I love that, like, Falcon didn't have some maudlin, you know, weird story. Like, his story, his backstory has sadness in it, but it's mm-hmm. not, he's not brooding. You know, no. he's, he went through what literally actual army people go through. Yeah. Like, he lost somebody in combat and he's dealing with it the best way he knows. Yeah. Matt? Matt? What happened? Also, one... Hello? Hello? Are you there? I'm here. Oh, you died out for a second. Did I die out? Matt? No, you're still here. Okay, I'm still here. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Leave all this in. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. Um, I'll I'll start us up again. Are we good? Okay. In the studio? Okay. One sec. We'll just start up from from Anthony Mackey. Okay. <clears throat> we had technical difficulties. We're back. Uh, Anthony Mackey's the best. <laughs> yes. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Um, no, I totally agree. And um, I think he's awesome. 
And it is sort of funny how they've kind of sho- shoehorned him into the rest of the movies um, as like a a cameo. <laughs> but I love him so much in, in, in that second Cat movie. He's so great and so charming. And He's uh, incredibly charming. Yeah. And like, yeah, I really loved his entire arc in Cap 2 just because it wasn't, you know, weird and heavy handed and like they weren't straining to make him brooding. And like any time that a superhero isn't brooding now feels like a breath of fresh air, even though it shouldn't, it should feel like a baseline. Yeah. But when put up against the stuff that DC does, it's like they it's, even made a brooding yeah. Superman. So I know it's so crazy. I can't get past the idea. And I like, of like you know, I like Cavill. I like the guy that they got to be Superman, but yeah. man alive, the stuff they make him have to brood over in that movie. It's so weird. I don't understand how you can take a character like Superman, who is, his whole thing is, you know, justice in the American way. Like, you know, saving people. Like, and, he should be the Captain America type. Like, yeah, he should be. He's a sweet like, farm boy. And like, yeah, exactly. Like his his upraising is like ne- it never shines through in the movies. No, I mean it's all about like his tragedy, and I'm like, okay, if you want that, there's Batman. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I I think that the interesting contrast between those two characters has always been like Batman and Superman are both orphans, but Batman is way more angry and bitter about it, whereas yeah, Clark, Batman like, internalizes. Yeah. And like, I to think, a fault, like he never shares anything with anybody. It's part of his whole yeah. nature. It's why I always appreciated in in the cartoons and even in the earlier Burton Batman movies, um, like Michael Keaton's character always seemed to really appreciate Alfred. Like was always thanking yes. him for everything, and they had a really good rapport. And you know, it's it's in the newer ones where he's just like, I didn't have parents, I didn't have anybody, and Alfred's probably like, Well, I fed and changed you for you know. <laughs> 30, 30 years for 30 years i was cleaning your diapers thanks bruce um and yeah so there oh, that's extra funny because he's 40 <laughs> yeah. well he had 10 years off at age 30 he learned to use the big boy potty um but no <laughs> i love no, you're totally right like in those in those nolan yeah. movies he was always like at odds with alfred exactly constantly. and it's so strange to me because I mean, I, I totally understand the play on that character where, you know, he's so bitter about the death of his parents that he doesn't appreciate Alfred. But it's not a character that I can identify with. I mean, this person has been his caretaker and been with him for his entire life. He's like his best friend and his parent figure. And I don't understand that sort of dismissive uh, lack of love. And and going back and I rewatched the original Batman movies, you know, the Burton ones recently. And I love the interactions between Keaton and Alfred, or the the actor who played him. They're so they're so sweet and genuine and funny. And well, because the thing <laughs> about it is, like, Alfred's the one person that just like as a baseline across all realities, he knows. Yeah, you know, like he he knows Bruce better than anybody else. I would really love to see an adaptation where, you know. Bruce goes out and he's a badass and he's fighting and he's doing all that stuff. But when he comes home, like the first thing he does when he gets out of the Batmobile is like gives Alfred a really long hug, <laughs> just like sort of lets it all out. Like I had to beat up so many people today, Alfred, and I feel terrible. Aww. And like, let me tell you about some stuff and then we can just like have a cup of tea and be cool. Like that would be great. I don't know. I want that. Yeah. I want that Batman. <laughs> and it is. A thing- like he has to like let it out at some point. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing that's always bothered me when you get into those conversations of, of like, you know, Batman versus Superman or whatever. Um, is it, you know, 
I always loved Batman more growing up just because his rogues gallery is so much cooler. And also I'm like gothy and bats, right? <laughs> and, you know, being Canadian, that whole, yeah, real American farm boy Superman thing just didn't really appeal to me as a kid. It does way more now as an adult. And um, so, yeah, I was always way more into Batman. But now I, I totally get it from both sides. And people will be like, oh, well, you know, he's so dark and he's so angry because his parents died. Every time it's like, so did Superman's. Superman, it's not that his parents were shot. He lost his entire home world. And he grew up poor with adopted parents in Kansas. Like, Superman genuinely had it worse off, I think. <laughs> like, he lost, his entire civilization exploded. Batman's parents died. Like, they're both obviously awful tragedies. But Superman still grew up to be a good guy <laughs> and, like, yeah, you know, totally. <clears throat> I don't know. Obviously, the origins change with everyone who's writing it, but on a basic level, that's always that's bothered me. It's like, okay, it's okay for Batman to be like so angry and dark and hateful when they kind of came from similar places. I yeah, know. well, and everyone sort of speaks on the lack of approaches to the Superman character, mm-hmm. and I think that always, for some reason, culminates in homogeny, which is sad. It's incredibly sad because there are certain you know, if you want to take a depthier take to invent a word at the Superman mythos <laughs> and like his, his upbringing and stuff. I remember uh, Spike at Iron underscore Spike on Twitter mm-hmm. um, talked about at length um, about what if Superman went home and his parents, you know, started throwing out some like really like, you know, harsh sort of rural ideals um, about like, you know, his city life, you know, mm-hmm. talking about... You know, some of the stuff that you really hope that you're <laughs> when you go back home that your parents don't bring up over, you know, Thanksgiving conversation. Right. Like being really close minded and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, really conservative views that like, you know, some people might have and how like Clark might have to deal with, you know, all this kind of stuff when he himself is an alien. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. his parents start talking about immigration and stuff. Ooh. And being like, I don't know if they should be allowed in America. And then Clark is an alien. Right. And he's just like, you know, it, it sort of, it would bring a really interesting, you know, sort of micro macrocosm feel to the entire Superman story. And not right. necessarily, you know, it's it's not a slobber knocker, you know, he's not, you know, destroying Lex Luthor or whatever. But <laughs> I think that would be like a really cool story to tell inside the Superman. I you think know, you're right. Thing. That's that. That would be interesting because <laughs> they but are like, from so much they are from time. rural Kansas. <laughs> it could yeah, happen. So much of my time, like when I think about uh, sort of mainstream comics, it, I guess just being around uh, indie comics people so much, I think there are a lot of really cool, interesting indie comics approaches uh, that you could take to so many of these stories. That because like there's this general feeling in the mainstream, especially superhero comics where they're just like, there's no story left to tell. And it's like, man, there are so many still like talk to, you know, talk to real people. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of stories to tell, not yeah. just the same story over and over. Yeah. So yeah. I 100% agree. Comic books. <laughs> I guess we reached what a consensus. Where do they come from? <laughs> Who invented them? Um. Yeah. Boy, howdy. We really got into we it. We got into it. <laughs> I can't wait to get a bunch of emails about Batman versus Superman. I just want yeah, them to seriously. kiss. Sorry, everybody. I just want them to kiss. Just don't fight Batman and Superman. Just kiss. That's my stance. I'm going to say the same thing I say 
and I'm always proven wrong, unfortunately, but before any superhero movie comes out, what if it's really good? <laughs> what, <laughs> well, if, what if somehow all the trailers are wrong and it's actually completely different and it's really good? That would be awesome because that happened with Mad Max for me. Like, I was not sure excited did. for that movie at all and was like, oh, cool. Ooh. Check out this explosion uh, bro yeah, fest. I, <laughs> I appreciated, like, sort of the art, the artistry of the original ones, yeah. but I never liked them as movies. No. Um, but oh my god, Mad Max Fury Road was it's a the greatest. Well, my mom said yeah. that she and her friend went back and watched, you know, the original Mad Max movies, and she was talking to me about it. My mom and I both have the same thing where we have a really hard time watching like any kind of sexual violence in movies, and that was why mm-hmm. I was partially so nervous about going to see Mad Max is because I'd remembered seeing part of it when I was younger and being like, "Oh, there's some stuff in here that is not so good." And yeah. uh, my mom watched it again with her friend, and she's like, yeah, there's some, like, really, really brutal stuff in there, like, in that in that vein. And she described it to me when we were in the car on our way to dinner, and I was like, oh, great. <laughs> now I have to think about this. <laughs> um, but then Fury Road was so amazing. So, yeah, I mean, I always keep that in mind when I'm just, like, being saucy about the trailers or whatever. I'm, I'm like, I'm completely open to being uh, surprised and <laughs> have my mind Not changed. that one has to be, like, you know, I don't have to be optimistic about superhero movies because, like, listen, they're giant, you know, hegemonist companies. Like, they, they own the earth. But <laughs> at the same time, I really want to hope that there's good entertainment mm-hmm. out there, even in mainstream media. Uh, I'd like to remain cautiously optimistic because maybe someday, I mean, I thought Cap 2 wasn't going to be that great. Same here. I really really like Cap 1 and I'm like, well, what can you really do in the modern era other than have machine guns and, you know, Cap being sad about Peggy? Yeah. And then it wasn't that at all. It was... It was a triumph. It's an awesome action movie. Yeah. And I think I didn't even, I think I was so not looking forward to it because I had enjoyed the previous movie so much and loved that retro tone so much. Um, and loved Peggy so much that I was not mm. looking forward to Cap 2 that when I first saw it, I didn't even like it as much. Like, I, I thought it was okay, but then I went back and watched it again, being like, wait, I think this is better than I gave it a chance to be, and loved it. Yeah. You know, loved it the second time around. Um, so, I mean, that can happen, too. So I'm I'm trying to go into it with uh, hedged expectations, but we'll see. Speaking of things that are actually awesome, is yes. Peggy coming back for a second? Oh, oh my she goodness. is. Uh, Agent Carter season two is uh, <sighs> the writer's room is up and running. I've been following them on Twitter. And oh, uh, this season takes place in my future home of Los Angeles, which is very exciting. And mm-hmm. um, her villain for this upcoming season is, is Madame Mask, who's very cool. So uh, Peggy has a cool lady villain to fight against, which is very neat. Um, the only thing that I am worried about is as of about three weeks ago, when I read an article about all the changes in season two, is that they had not secured a contract for her waitress friend. Um, <gasps> I know. Which Scandal. also, like, it makes sense if she's a waitress Los and Angeles. she moves to L.A., mm-hmm. But, I mean... But she also wants to be an actress. Right. So uh, what I keep hoping for is that she follows Peggy to L.A. and they become roommates. Oh, my God. Because... She hides in her suitcase. And then they they fall in love. And Peggy finally finds happiness. Because obviously Haley Atwell is cool with it. (laughs) She's spoken out on (laughs) multiple occasions about being very into that idea, which makes me very happy. I love when actors do that. They're like, yeah, they might not let us do it, but I'd go gay for, for Dottie. Um... So, yeah, uh, I've been following it very closely because I am a huge Agent Carter fan. I am super pumped about that. I loved Agent Carter. And I think season so two is a, is a longer season, too, because um, season one was only eight episodes, but I think we're getting at least 12 for season two. 
which would be awesome. I know. I know. I'm so excited. It was so successful. That's really impressive for a show that, like, it was kind of on the bubble for a long time. Yeah, people really weren't sure how that was going to go. Yeah, it felt like a real fan revival. Like, people lobbied hard for that show. Yeah. And it's good to see. Like, it's it's exciting because they did that thing (laughs) that companies do where they put out a show and they're like, look, we're finally giving you what you want. It's a lady and she's awesome and y'all better take this one opportunity or else we'll never do it again. Right. And they're like, please like watch it or else we're never going to like put a lady in anything ever for the rest of our mm-hmm. lives. And I think and people who are fans knew that, you know, so it yeah, 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 there was, you know, there was talk about it before the show even mm-hmm. came out, you know, before day one, people were like, we really have to support this thing. Yeah. And then thankfully, you know, and also, obviously, because it's good. <laughs> like it's, it's so not, good. It's just so yeah, refreshing. It's not something, you know, like as somebody who gave up about I don't know a couple seasons into Mad Men, which I really loved it. I loved it for Christina Hendricks, but I like I increasingly over the years get frustrated. Like I deal with so much crappy sexism in everyday life that I don't especially like watching it on TV as well. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I don't, yeah. I don't like watching. You don't need to like escape into horrible things. It just became the same situation of trying to sustain a conversation with people who think that Walter White is the hero of Breaking Bad. Like the Don Draper is the hero of Mad Men. They're terrible people. And if you identify with them and you root for them, that is cause for concern. Like they're not good people. <laughs> and you know, I know that it's fun yeah. to uh, ally, like to to identify with a villain as they're getting away with something or having a crazy adventure or whatever. You know, it gets to a certain point. I got tired of watching Don cheat on his wife. I got tired of watching all these guys be creepy to everyone. So then seeing Peggy in such a similar environment, you know, with the retro clothes and everything, um, and in a, you know, I, mean, I guess it's forties instead of fifties and sixties, but to to combat that so directly and have her win sometimes, you know. I feel like every time yeah. in Mad Men when a woman would fight against sexism, except for, uh, strangely enough, Peggy. <laughs> I guess if you're a Peggy in a retro show, you'll do fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, to combat it and have, like, these tiny incremental successes and then have it taken away from you. And I feel like on Mad Men, only only Peggy was allowed to have that because it was, like, stripped from everybody else, you know. And and Well, it, yeah, in these shows, it's oh, there's always, that, like, sort of an air of, well, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, it's the times. And I feel Whereas like – I feel like Agent yeah. Carter, like, really approached it from a standpoint of, like, she fights back against stuff and changes people's minds. Yeah. It's not and just being if, like, yeah. I can do whatever the boys do. Like, she genuinely introduces people to new perspectives. And I think that that's really cool. And yeah, totally. And a, a very conscious effort on the part of the show writers. And, and it, it was so refreshing to watch and just made me feel so like, oh my God, <laughs> they'll actually do this in a TV show. You know, it won't, it won't be this tiny thing that then, you know, her, her achievement is washed away in the next episode or, you know, it's right. It was, well, it, yeah. So much of her arc was just like, by the end, everyone respects Peggy because of yeah. course she's a super agent. Yeah. You know, she deserves everyone's respect and admiration. And yeah. it's, you know, you look back and, and you just say, well, it's a shame that it ever had to be, you know, so hard fought for, but mm-hmm. God damn, she did it. But she's amazing. So I'm really excited about the new season and, I just think, yeah, Haley Owl is so – she's so amazing. <laughs> I'm such a fan <laughs> of her as a person and, and her character. I think she's just so great and has such a a lighthearted and very real uh, 
perspective on Hollywood. <laughs> He's just like, it's crazy. We'll do what we can. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, so I really, I really love it. And I love Agent Carter. Uh, and I can't wait for season two. It's going to be great. Yeah, totally. So it's going to be shooting while you're living there? Oh, God. And my boyfriend's an extras casting director. Well, that was what I was going to say. Because <laughs> I think he briefly on worked on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I can't remember. Um, so I'll be like, hey, hey, buddy, get me on. Get me on Agent Carter. I'll stand around all day. It's fine. Yeah, I'll do anything. <laughs> Literally. I'll be the paper boy on the corner. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Just get me next to Peggy. Um, that would be amazing. And yeah, I do think they're shooting in L.A. because everything is in L.A. now. So it'd be crazy. Um, as we wind down towards the end of our time together on this earth. I'm not ready to go yet. (laughs) (laughs) I have so much more to do. (laughs) Um, too bad. Um, so I, I generally, (laughs) shut up, up, you, um, what I generally end the episodes on is uh, to ask you what kind of stuff you are reading, uh, in terms of comics, but it can also be, I've also frequently talked about like cartoons and things like that things in the genre if you will uh that you think people should check out well kate i'm glad you asked and i'm also (laughs) glad you told me before we did the show because (laughs) whenever it comes to something like this i always blank so absolutely and completely Mm -hmm. um but luckily i was able to scrape together some things uh i love So many of the works of a few creators. Uh, Let me just list some off for you. Okay. Uh, Pretty much everything that Becca Tobin does. Yep. Who is Becca and the Box on Twitter. And she's got an issue Um, of Frontier coming out soon, doesn't she? Or it's already out? She sure does. Mm -hmm. I believe it's coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. She does the most amazing watercolors and creature designs and sort of free form just off the dome comics. She's incredible. She's so good. One of the most creative people I know, and she's so young and it's infuriating. Yep. <laughs> um, anything John Allison does, yep. I am absolutely over the moon for. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have yet to read Giant Days because I'm saving. I want like them all to be out, and I just want to like devour them all at once. But I love Scary Go Round so much. I'm into um, I'm into Giant Days. I talked about it a little bit earlier on the show. I'm on like issue three, but I'm pacing myself because you're right. It's so good. He is the best dialogue yeah. writer in the. He base. is like the characters are the most charming. Yeah, I just I can I can't get over it. They're mm-hmm. natural and real and oh, uh, Johnny Wander, mm-hmm. Nico and Ananth, uh They're just masterpiece. I just whenever I think about. Growing up, how I imagined at the peak of my powers I would be able to draw, it's how Yuko draws. <laughs> and uh, someday I hope to be as good as her <laughs> because she is one of the most prolific and talented creators I've ever met. And Anant's writing is some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen in my entire life. They're both so good. Um, yeah, they're absolutely amazing. And I just backed uh, the Lucky Penny Project. That looked so beautiful. Um, Oh my God. It is absolutely gorgeous yeah. and super duper funny. Like, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. I'm really excited to get it this fall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the last thing I will plug is Witchy, the Witchy comic, mm. uh, which is an incredibly good web comic. And I am absolutely in love with the art style and uh, the pacing is unreal. Like, 
I've never seen pacing that dramatically powerful and uh, colors that sort of really emphasize all of the dramatic elements like that. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's unreal. Everyone has to read witchy, which I believe is at witchy comic dot something. Let me just look that up really quick. Who makes witchy? Um, but yeah, uh, witchy is made by let me just make sure I say the name correctly. <laughs> A boat. A boat. Ariel Race. Mm-hmm. I believe it's Race or Reyes. Um, but yeah, she is uh, from Melbourne and I believe lives somewhere in Denmark. What? But yeah, That's cool. absolutely frigging amazing. I just, <laughs> yeah, I can't get over how good it is. That's awesome. Um, I have to check yeah. that out. I think it's the only one on your list I haven't <laughs> that I haven't read yet. Yeah, super duper good. Um, yeah, so I'll say all of that. And then Sam Bosma, but I'm afraid if I say Sam Bosma's name out loud, then everyone will just automatically explode because Sam is the, the most talented person that yeah. I have ever seen yeah. on this earth. And someday I'm going to steal his powers. He's so good. So, it was so crazy to see so fantasy basketball in that like full color, beautiful printed collection when I had right? bought it from him as like a tiny black and white mini, mini at SPX two yeah. years ago. And now it's this beautiful giant collection, which you should absolutely buy because Sam is the greatest. He's another one of those people that, knows so well every element that goes into a thing because he's also mm-hmm. like very teacherly mm-hmm. um like he knows how to convey ideas and things like that i think he he actually does teach um, yeah i think he does i think he he and cal yeah, both do yeah because he has like such a mind for technical design character design and environment design mm-hmm. and i mean well especially environment design they got him on steven universe he does many backgrounds on steven universe and they are um and beautiful. he's another one of those people yeah that just knows how to use light to convey sort of pre-emotion it's stuff you don't even know you're feeling at the time when you're looking at it i mean it's he just, did it the, puts you into a mood he did the title card for steven universe right when it's like the hand in the mm-hmm. laundry that's him yeah, I think so. Yeah, That's what I thought it's so good. And he did like he did almost all of like the early backgrounds. Yeah, uh, the stuff like on the beach, designing mm-hmm. the, uh, you yeah, know, the I actual. I feel like he really the house itself. He influenced the feel of that show a lot. Um, yeah. yeah, he's so good, so good. Him and Callie. Are oh, I love great. a lot of stuff. I have a big <laughs> heart full of love. Everyone's great. Um, so Matt, you are going to be at SPX this year. Um, with your lovely lady friend and that Mm -hmm. is in bethesda maryland the town of nothing but a dave and busters if i hey it also has an arby's (laughs) it does also have an arby's (laughs) okay um no but it is an amazing if you ever want to hear like if you ever want to hear high-powered web comics discussion uh go to the chilies every (laughs) night in bethesda after spx because me and at least me and anthony clark yeah will be there every single night eating ribs and we uh yeah we'll rap about some comics (laughs) um spx is a show you should definitely go to i went to years ago and i'm probably hopefully going again next year because i really love it um and yeah that's in bethesda and it's at spxpo.com Whatever, look up SPX, you can find it. And it's great. Um, So if you're in Maryland, you should definitely go. And then a week later or two weeks later? One 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 week later. later In Northampton, Massachusetts, um, which is about two hours outside of Boston. uh, And it is a gorgeous little town where Smith College is. And it is also the home of the Tapatoco Corporation, uh, for whom I have worked for many years, Um, is Tapatocon, which is going to be at Eastworks, which is like a giant building. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. It's a big building. And uh, that's going to be a convention of, I think, the cutest collection of comic creators. Am I right about that? I think oh, I'm right about that. Yes. Yeah, it's going to be cutie, yeah, yeah, yeah. cutie con. Um, cutie con. Cutie con. So it's, it's like a podcast and comics show because there's a ton of people from Max Fun Con and like, um, or from Max Fun, sorry, and uh, a bunch of podcasts doing shows there, including this one, if you can believe it. We will be recording less than live there. Um, oh, dang. I know. It's going to be crazy. Uh, we're doing a live show there, and that's going to be nuts. But you are going to be there, and I am going to be there. Everybody's going to be there. Everybody is going to be there. There's going to be workshops. Yes. There's where you can like learn to actually make things. Yep. Uh, there's going to be podcasts, lots of podcast recordings going so on So many there. podcasts. And there, of course, is going to be many exhibitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you love webcomics, you are going to want to go to Tapaticon. Trust me on yeah. this. There's going to be like new merch, old merch, every merch. All merch. Uh, if you if you want to buy stuff from your favorite webcomics creators, they will be at Tapaticon. Yeah. So yeah. it's everybody. Get it's gonna there. be it's gonna be nuts. Um, and you and I are gonna be there. And Power Up is gonna be there yes. in in full force, in full spirit. We might oh, even Power have. Up is gonna be exploding. We okay. might have issue three. I feel like we'll have issue three by then. I feel pretty positive feel about like, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we it's should. like September twenty fifth. That's more than a month from now. We'll definitely have issue three. Um, oh, awesome. So you will be able to get fifty percent of Power Up. <laughs> at Tapaticon <laughs> in Northampton. And I think that's just Tapaticon.com uh, to find more info about that. But we're definitely going to be there. Uh, there's a Facebook event too. And there's all kinds of things. Tickets are on sale now and you should go. Um, Matt, if uh, people want to find you on the internet, you are Eiffel Art pretty much everywhere, right? Every single place on the internet, I am Eiffel Art. EiffelArt.ca, at EiffelArt on Twitter. You can find me. And it's E-I-F-F-E-L-A-R-T. Am I? That's it. I love you are fart. Correct. Like the tower and then art. Um, so you should go find Matt. Uh, you should read Power Up. I say that selfishly, but also because I think that it is good. <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> Double selfish. <laughs> I'm too Canadian to tell you it's great. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, yes, everyone go find Matt on the internet. Come uh, visit him at SPX. Is there anything else you would like to tell the people about? No. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for the dramatic pause. (laughs) Uh, I will talk to you again soon. Matt, everybody go buy Power Up number two. It is out this week. That is the week of August 19th. Um, You have a beautiful day. Bye, everyone. I love you. (laughs) Bye, Matt. I'm falling down a pit. (laughs) Good luck. I know that you want to the pages inside my heart. Well, that's our show. Sorry we were gone for so long. Everything is crazy and dark wizards meddle with our intentions. But we'll be back soon with another episode and more treats. If you want to, why not rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher? If you like this show and want to help us figure out how to pronounce Ant-Man, consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash less than live. Got any questions or want more? Find us on Facebook, on Twitter at LTLcast, and you can get show notes after every episode at lessthanlivecast.tumblr.com. It's so hot outside, you guys. It's so hot. I'll miss you.
This was a Village Soundcast Network original production.